feeling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. We're awful glad you're here. On this episode, we'll talk with Jenny Batting from John Deere about the company's involvement with the planned Data Connect project. We'll also talk with Chad Root from the USDA Rural Utility Service about expanding rural broadband. We'll talk with representatives of CHS Lubricants and Firestone Ag, and we'll take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop in Nashville for music from a rising star in the honky-tonk world, Tim Bolo. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go. Well, first up this week on the program, we welcome in Jenny Batting, who is with John Deere Solutions Group. John Deere has formed a partnership with some heavy hitters in the ag industry to form Data Connect, which is the first cloud-to-cloud machine data solution for the North American ag industry. And Jenny, welcome into FastLine Fast Track. Thanks for having me today. So this is really exciting information here, the development of Data Connect, because there's so much great technology out there among the manufacturers and among the different pieces of equipment, but a lot of them uh, require you to use different uh, operating systems. And and what you're doing here is being able to uh, somewhat connect those dots. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, this is really um, the first independent, direct, cloud-to-cloud solution that really enables that seamless, automatic, real-time exchange of that important machine data. So that machine data, those points are um, current location, uh, forward speed, it's also fuel levels, and then working status. So that's the information um, that our customers will see on those mixed uh, fleets in one platform, which our platform obviously is the John Deere Operations Center. Mm-hmm. And that technology is great and it was meant to help producers, but if you've got so many different systems that are not talking to one another, uh, I would imagine it becomes quite maddening and also time consuming, which is the opposite of what it was intended to do. Right. Yeah, we know that a high percentage um, of customers operate different brands of equipment in their fleets, and so this really allows them to be able to, to monitor and access and manage uh, that machine data, um, again, from one system and um, without having to switch portals or manually transfer that data in from one system to the other. So if you could, just walk our listeners briefly through how all of this will work. Yeah, so... um, For example, if there is a a customer that has a mixed fleet um, and they would be able to seamlessly monitor the location uh, as well as, let's say, the fuel levels of their connected Deere equipment, New Holland, Case IH machines, all from, let's say, the John Deere Operations Center. Um, So they could see all of those machines in the John Deere Operations Center as well as use the John Deere Operations Center they have access to 100-plus different connected software tools um, so they can help manage their operation. So it's really kind of that one, um, one-stop one shop to 
see that machine data as well as um, use some of our um, 100 plus connected software tools. And when we talk about exchanging information through the cloud, I'm sure there's some folks who uh, immediately stop and say, okay, well, exchange of information, what does that look like and how can I feel confident that uh, uh, what I'm sharing is being truly secured? Yeah, so we know that farmers place, you know, high value on their farm data and the security around it. And here at John Deere, you know, that's one of our main focuses of how we can provide our customers with the control, transparency, and value connected to that data. Um, within the John Deere Operations Center, we provide a secure environment for our customers to be able to collaborate with, you know, trusted advisors, their local dealers. Um, they have have the ability to do sharing relationships and um, share as much or as little information that they want. They have um, the control over those sharing relationships. So, yeah, we, we take a lot of um, pride in making sure that it's controlled, transparency, and, you know, the security around their data. And again, I kind of rattled these off at the beginning, but I'm going to go through these again. If, uh, if you're using John Deere equipment, Kloss, New Holland, Case IH, or Steyr brand equipment, uh, you're using uh, the John Deere Operations Center, FS Connect, MyPLM Connect, Kloss Telematics, or 365 FarmNet. Uh, this is going to uh, just link up seamlessly. Yep, that is correct. So we're talking about a rollout for 2020. Is that correct? Yeah, so our current plans is to have an official rollout um, later um, in 2020. So if you could, Jenny, just talk a bit about John Deere's commitment to innovation and how this is uh, really another piece of that puzzle. So yeah, innovation and uh, customer commitment have been uh, one of John Deere or John Deere's core values for more than 180 years. We're always looking for new uh, solutions to help our customers be more efficient um, as well as profitable. Um, we are members and supporters of the Agricultural Industry Electronics Foundation. And so together um, with the other members, um, we're always looking to share experiences with that foundation in support of standardizing that data interface um, architect, similar to what's been done with ISOBUS. Um, just across the whole ag equipment industry. So if folks want to know more about this, where, where can they go to, to keep up on the latest updates with it? So um, you can go to the deer.com website. Um, out there we have a, a press release of that information, and as more information rolls out, uh, deer.com um, or their local John Deere dealer would be the best place. If this sounds intriguing to you, make sure you uh, connect with your, your John Deere dealer. Go to deer.com, st stay on top of it. And uh, as this product rollout uh, is available, uh, we'll definitely stay on it as well. And uh, uh, we'd like to have you back at some point here to discuss the rollout and how it's working. Perfect, Brent. Yeah, I um, look forward to talking to you in the future. And again, appreciate you having me on today to share a little bit more information on Data Connect and the John Deere Operations Center. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we turn our attention to rural broadband expansion. When I was at the recent National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, I had the opportunity to catch up with Chad Roop, the administrator of the Rural Utilities Service of the USDA. We talked about the USDA's Reconnect pilot program and the agency's commitment to investing $600 million to bring high-speed internet access to more of the nation's rural population. Chad, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate being here. 
So one of the things on his mind is one of the things on my mind as well, and I'm sure on yours, is rural broadband. We've talked a lot about it. Uh, I know there's money that was appropriated in the farm bill for it. Where are we? I know I, I see releases coming through pretty frequently on, on uh, more investments being made. So uh, as it seems like, at least from the outside, we're starting to make some progress here. We are. We're very excited. We're in the middle of offering awards for the first $600 million in our e-connectivity pilot program called ReConnect. And you can find more information out it, about it at reconnect.usda.gov. We should have this first round wrapped up here very shortly, by the middle of December. And then the great news is we're going to be able to offer a second round of opportunity with $550 million in ReConnect funding early next year. So it's an exciting time. So from a, uh, a manufacturer's standpoint, we, we go around and, and see a lot of these manufacturers that are continuing to add new technologies that require connectivity into equipment, devices. I mean, the farm is, is a essentially run wirelessly in a lot of places these days. How imperative is it to uh, get that ball rolling and keep it rolling and, and make sure that uh, we put this on the fast track so that uh, uh, you know we can meet some of those demands? There's very much of a, a vast need throughout the United States. You've got 24 million Americans, at least, that don't have access to 25.3 service. And if you think about what the internet provides for the farmers, the ranchers, the educators, the healthcare providers, it's significant. And so getting the capacity to deliver broadband out to the rural areas is really a game changer. The nice thing about the funding that we're offering, it gives grant capacity to build the infrastructure out in those areas. So we're trying to find uh, new ways of delivering services that in most places people take for granted. And we want to make sure that everybody has that opportunity. What are some of the challenges that are inherent in building out that system as we move forward? Well, traditionally, the biggest problem that we've had is that most private providers were looking for a return on investment. And so they concentrated in on the areas where they had the biggest bang for the buck. And what often gets overlooked are the, the rural areas. And there's a lot of business to be made in rural areas. There's a lot of economic opportunity. So if we can provide those services out to those areas, it can really close that urban-rural divide. So from what you said, what are some of your other key priorities going into 2020? Well, we are always interested in providing services through uh, water and electric infrastructure as well. We know that there's a vast need throughout the United States to improve on all of our infrastructure structure. Uh, if we come back to the Rural Electrification Act, we know that uh, that was our baseline when we started back in the 30s, and there continues to be a growing need to deliver more efficiently and more effectively across our, our programs throughout all utilities. But if you look at it from the broadband perspective, there's, we're seeing a lot of utilities starting to merge. Uh, whereas it used to be you'd only be offering electric utilities. Now we're finding electric co-ops are willing to jump into the broadband space and offer those opportunities as well. If uh, folks out here are listening and they are being underserved, how, how can they get a hold of, uh, of representatives to make sure that they're getting their voice heard and, uh, and trying to do all that they can to bring broadband service to their area? We very much try to partner at the local and the state level. So we are really interested in state governments getting involved in trying to develop plans and trying to find methods to deliver services for their communities. We want to be able to provide the funding and pair that up with private and state funding to be able to deliver on those services. I think the other aspect is, is that uh, if people are really interested and they know they're unserved, they can uh, 
reach out to our state offices to talk to our state directors that are located throughout the United States at USDA Rural Development, and they can put them in touch with the right people. Uh, then, of course, if you do have access to the internet in certain places, then you can go to reconnect.usda.gov and read up on what we have to offer. Excellent. Well, make sure that uh, that you do that, and we'll definitely be keeping this topic at the forefront because it's so vitally important uh, across the United States in areas that are being underserved, and uh, we want to see them uh, get, get served. So, uh, Chad, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track, and we look forward to catching up with you here in the future. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate it. While at the NAFB convention, I also had the pleasure of chatting with Aaron Rogge with CHS Lubricants out of Minneapolis. We talked about diesel engine lubricants and winter engine protection strategies. Aaron, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Oh, thank you so much, Brent. Appreciate it. They uh, have the great uh, recognizable Cenex logo that you know so well. And uh, uh, what's new in the world of lubricants these days? Uh, we're really excited at Cenex to get on site here and talk about uh, recent advancements in our heavy-duty diesel engine oils, specifically our synthetic Maxtron line of diesel engine oils. Recently upgraded it to an industry-leading technology that provides seven times uh, the sheer stability of our competitive conventional um, products out there in the marketplace. So uh, what, what uh, is it that separates uh, what you guys are doing from some of the competition? Oh, the cool thing about Cenex and CHS is that we're able to take the long view. We always say, how can we best protect our farmer owners? And so what we want uh, our farmers to know out there is that we're doing the hard work so that you don't have to. By formulating these products with the highest quality base oils um, and then adding, you know, leading edge uh, additive packages, we're, we're just building products for the future that are going to protect our farmers' investments and ensure they perform when they need it most. And now we're getting into the winter season here. We've had a, a colder than normal uh, fall in many places here. What are some of the things that folks should think about uh, when they're gearing up their, their machinery and their vehicles for uh, the winter months? Uh, with the winter and those extreme temperatures that we're already having, we always just want to make sure that uh, whether we're putting them into storage or getting them ready for uh, more work this winter, that we're doing a loop scan oil analysis to uh, see if there's any Anything going on in those systems that we're unaware of. It's always a good idea, too, to either change or uh, top off your oils, depending on the data you receive from those analysis back. And then we always want to think about grease as well. Uh, grease and those refreshed oils uh, will protect all of your components from air and dirt and uh, water and, and freezing temperatures that we're going to experience over the coming months. So as we look ahead to 2020, what's new on the horizon? Oh, well, I just think we're still going to see that increased increased trend towards synthetic products. And, and synthetics for a lot of reasons, primarily for that extreme temperature performance. In the cold weather, they, they move quickly, they get to critical components um, uh, so that they're protecting the parts that need it most as soon as possible. And then in the hot weather, they're able to cool those systems and stand up. They're durable, under pressure, under tight tolerances. So really, they're just the best year-round fluids that you can put into your equipment to protect your investments. So if you want to know more about them, uh, where, where can they go? Oh, we encourage everyone to check us out at Cenex.com. Go online there. We've got lots of great educational information and tools, as well as our equipment lookup tool. You can plug in your equipment, make, model, and we'll give you a full readout of all of the Cenex products you need for your components.
Again, that's Cenex.com. And Aaron, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Oh, thank you so much, Brent. Appreciate it. And next up from the NAFB convention, I had the opportunity to speak with Firestone Ag's Matt Frank about some of the Legacy Tire brand's latest offerings for the agriculture industry. Matt, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Great. Thank you for having me. So what's new with uh, Firestone Ag as far as uh, tires for uh, different applications on the farm? Yeah, so the big thing we did uh, last month, October, we launched uh, a new tire called Maxi Traction, which is designed as a premium radial tire for uh, combines and tractors. Uh, it, it, it's a, it has a better wear rate and a longer life than the predecessor tire based on our internal testing. Uh, it also comes with really all the bells and whistles that you expect to see on a premium tire. So it has uh, 82 technology, which is, uh, allows the tire to carry heavier loads at lower inflation pressure. So that's going to help you with uh, creating a larger footprint and, and reducing soil compaction. The other thing it does offer is R1W tread depth, which is the, a little bit deeper tread depth than, than you may typically find in that application. But also works in a variety of soil conditions. So um, I know a lot of, the, a lot of the, the farmers are experiencing wet conditions this, this, uh, this past year. R1W would be more ideal for that type of soil than some uh, other applications. So how does switching from bias to radial tires impact performance? Yeah, so I, I know farmers love their bias tires. They've been around forever. Um, you know, Firestone was a, was a big advocate in the, in the introduction of, of bias tires in the marketplace, but uh, really radial tires are better performing tires. They, they just last longer. So uh, I know there's a little bit more upfront investment for radial tires, but you're going to get that back by having tires that just work more hours in the field. Uh, the other thing is is, is co ride comfort is, is a critical component, uh, a big, big improvement for radial over bias. And you know the biggest thing I can see is that a um, little bit about the soil compaction, the wider footprint. Radial, radial tires have a better, bigger footprint. Therefore, they reduce soil compaction, improves your yield. So just uh, generally just a better performing tire. So Firestone's been producing ag tires in America for 75 years now. What are you doing to honor that milestone? Yeah, so actually the 75th anniversary of our Des Moines plant is happening in 2020. So we are, uh, we're, we're really getting some information out. Uh, we've created some, uh, some videos uh, and really kind of talking about uh, what it's like to work in Des Moines, what kind of a place that is. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a very automated factory, but there's a lot of manual work that goes into making tires as well. So we, wanna, we wanted to capture the stories of the people who are working on tires and just kind of convey a little bit more behind the scenes of the buying of the process of making tires to farmers. Um, our research has shown it's not not surprising that the farmers like American made, right? They want products that are produced in the United States. So we have a plant in Des Moines, Iowa that's been doing for doing it for three fourths three fourths of a century, and we just wanted to make sure people were aware of that. So what are some of the steps now uh, as we head into winter? Uh, we want to turn our attention to that that folks can do to make sure that they're prepared for the winter weather. Yeah, so winter com seems to be coming earlier and earlier. You know, I know in Nashville the this week was very, very cold, so uh, snow's on the ground a lot of places, uh, and it seems to be coming earlier and lasting longer. So um, you really want to take advantage as you, when you can, when your equipment's been put away, to just do an inspection of your tires. Uh, and that's a lot of it's a visual thing. So you just you check out the tread, make sure there's no punctures or, uh, you know, uh, stubble damage. Uh, same thing with the sidewall, look for cuts and scrapes. Anything that you see where you see cords or, or just large uh, impacts, you may want to think about replacing your tire at that point. Also, um, the other thing is that people don't really do this a lot, but check your um, check check the, the the nuts and bolts. Make sure that everything's tight. Check the um, the valve stem. Make sure that's that's uh, at, uh, working properly. 
And the final thing, the most important thing probably is, to, is to, just to check your inflation pressure. Make sure you don't have any slow leaks or make sure that you're, you're, you're ready to go when planting season hits. There you go. So make sure you check that out. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to know more about uh, Firestone Ag, where can they go? FirestoneAg.com. Or we have a very large uh, dealer network, so I would uh, encourage anybody to check our local ag dealer. So make sure you go do that. And, uh, Matt, we sure appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. Appreciate it. And now we take you back to the legendary Ernest Tub Record Shop in Nashville for the music of Tim Bolo. He's a throwback to the days of traditional country music, and he has a new EP out. If you love true honky-tonk music, I know you're going to love his sound, and I'm excited for you to hear him. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the Ernest Tub Record Shop, 417 Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. And now it's my pleasure uh, to welcome in one of the brightest honky-tonk stars in Nashville. It's Tim Bolo. Tim, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Hey, hey Brent. It's a pleasure to be here, man. And uh, this guy's been on my radar for a while here because, uh, uh, like you know, uh, listening to the show as you do, uh, I've got a real affinity for true traditional country music. And this is a guy who uh, not only sings it, but he understands the history of it and he has a passion for it. And, uh, Tim, I love what you're doing, man. I really appreciate it, Brent. I'm a blessed man to be here at this time period uh, here, especially in Music City and uh, – I'm happy that the Roots community is, is embracing more of that, that raw kind of country sound. Well, tell me a bit about your Roots. How, how did, when did this kind of music first get on your radar, and uh, uh, how did that love develop for you? Well, uh, I, was, I was born and raised here, and both of my parents are musicians and played and sang for their whole lives. And uh, Daddy still plays for a living, and uh, so it was very near impossible to uh, to uh, escape that kind of life uh, we, we didn't have babysitters or any daycare or anything like that uh, they just took us where they played and we'd sleep in the booths and and wake us up early in the morning and uh, and we'd do that almost uh, we'd do that most 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 nights you know that's what they did for a living and uh, mama's side of the family was a bluegrass band. Uh, Papa, Mo, my, my grandparents, and Aunt Candy, they all sang and played together. And Daddy played with uh, all kinds of people. Uh, he's, he's, I'm real proud of my daddy. And uh, I don't get to see him very often, but they both instilled in me, you know, uh, that roots music. You know, we grew up listening to bluegrass and country. Dad had all kinds of stuff in his record collection, jazz, all kinds of stuff. But, uh, over the years, the thing that really stuck with me was that style of music, the, the roots, uh, real instruments being used, uh, singing, no auto-tune, no sexy tractors, yep. you know, and uh, that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that I, uh, as I got older, I realized I had taken it for granted mm-hmm. as, as a youngster, as we all take many things for granted when we're young. But. Mm-hmm. Who were some of your musical influences? Man, growing up... Uh, all the harmony that was in the bluegrass realm, uh, of course, Bill Monroe and that high lonesome sound, Flat and Scruggs, uh, of course, the old Carter family stuff. There was a family called the Marshall family that we listened to quite often. Uh, and musical influences. Daddy had a George Benson record, and uh, I, I used to try to learn licks off of that record as a little kid. And uh, man, George Jones, Hank Sr. Hank Senior got got to be one of the the biggest influences as far as uh, songwriting and 
putting feel into things. Ray Charles. Ray Charles was a big, huge influence. One of the greatest singers in, of all time, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, that's that's the kind of stuff we grew up listening to. So now you're out there keeping that sound alive yourself. And one of the coolest things that I love about what you're doing, and you're still doing it with a pedal steel, you're, you're doing it with fiddles, you're doing it with a banjo, yeah, and you're man. keeping it real. Man, I'm, I'm blessed, to, blessed to play with the musicians that I get to play with, and uh, it's really an honor and a privilege. Uh, I know one of those guys that uh, uh, you're playing with is uh, on a pretty regular basis is Lynn Owsley, who was Ernest Tubbs' uh, last uh, steel player. Mr. Lynn Owsley. He's a real dear friend of mine and a fantastic human being. He does so much for this community and still does so much for the Ernest Tubb Record Shop. Anytime they have a Troubadour reunion, he's always the one that sets it up. And uh, incredible steel guitar player, member of the Steel Guitar Hall of Fame. <laughs> First time I seen Lynn, or seen the likeness of Lynn, was here at the record shop. I seen his, his plaque for the Steel Guitar Hall of Fame. I thought they got his mustache just a little too big, but it almost looks just like him. So, <laughs> so uh, what's on the horizon for you for music? What, what do you got cooking? Well, I've got a, a record that we just finished, an EP, called Brand New Feeling. And we're looking to release maybe a single here this next month. And uh, got a pretty good plan about it. We want to make sure that it gets received well and people know about it. And uh, we'll probably release the whole entire thing at the beginning of next year. If people want to treat themselves, man, they should come out to a Tim Bolo show. They, they, they will not be disappointed. Where can, uh, where can they see you here in town? Well, I'll tell you, uh, right across the street from here, from the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, and the first, first place I'll mention here is Layla's. And uh, that's been an institution and a, a great place, great honky-tonk, one of the last real honky-tonks down here on Broadway where a lot of good bands have made a name there. And uh, Layla's known me since I was probably about 10 or 11. My mama used to sing there. My mama used to force me up and make me sing bluegrass acapellas <laughs> with her before I knew what was good for me. And uh, I play there every other Wednesday and every Friday morning. There's also a place called The Local, and that is one of my favorite honky-tonks of all time. It's a family-ran establishment. It's over off of West End. There's a fellow named Mr. Jeff Reed that runs that place, him and his family. And I just love them to death, and they've uh, given us the opportunity to play this kind of music uh, for a great audience, and we've built it up. We do it every Friday and Saturday night. We call it the Late Night Show. Mm -hmm. And uh, special guests and uh, a revolving cast of truly some of the best, best musicians and some of the best music that I ever get the chance to hear. Uh -huh. And if you can't make it into Nashville, make sure you go check out the local uh, on uh, Facebook. They, they stream uh, those performances for the most part, and uh, you, you can go check out Tim's Late Night Show there on Facebook, uh, streamed. It just, uh, it's incredible. He, he has some of the greatest pickers and musicians there in Nashville. And uh, also Sundays, you've got a standing gig here with uh, your buddy Luke that we're going to hear here in just a bit. That's, yes, sir. My, my cousin Luke Mundy. Uh, we build ourselves as the country cousins when we come out and Luke's got his own thing going on with his own shows and uh, but when we get together I'll play the acoustic and he'll play the banjo and it's on Sundays it's a it's a brunch time 11 to 2 and they've got some of the best food in the world it's a place called Fat Bites Fat Bites it's a PH is how you spell the fat and uh, we're down there from 11 to 2 I've recently started getting my mama to come out uh, she plays the upright bass and she was a little little kid and uh, mighty mighty one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life and taught me how to sing 
And uh, so we're, we're really having a ball with that, too. And they also feed us real good, too. Oh, man. You can't beat that at all. So I tell you what, uh, make sure uh, make sure you go check them out. If they want to hear more of your music, where can they go? Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to release that record um, probably near the beginning of 2020, probably around the beginning of January. And you can find it right here at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop when it comes out. All right, super. It'll be the first place. Excellent. Uh, website, socials, anything to plug? <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's a company called Recording King, and I'll mention them right now. I'm endorsing them at the moment. They gave me a, a mighty fine guitar, and we've been uh, shooting some videos on some of the songs that are on the records. And uh, a fantastic uh, videographer and photographer named Chris Phelps has been working with us on that. And uh, my good friend Aaron Goodrich, who's managing me and also playing the drums, playing on the whole record. Um, we're going to have a video up on Recording King's website soon, and uh, of course we'll have all kinds of stuff all over YouTube, and uh, then we're planning on putting that record on all the platforms, and social media and all that, Spotify and iTunes, all them platforms mighty soon. So Excellent. So check out. him out. Tim Bolo, B-O-L-O, as in be on the lookout. Yes. Be on the lookout for him because he is tearing it up, and he's one of the guys that's helping that pendulum swing the other way in country music and uh, bringing back the uh, true traditional country music the way it should be. So make sure you take him out. And, Tim, man, thank you so much for taking the oh, time to join us, brother. It's a blessing, and thanks for asking me out, Brent. I really appreciate it. I'm proud can't, of you. can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and you're welcome to come back anytime and share that music with us. Thank you. Thank you, man. I'm so, going to make a plan to. So we're going to go ahead and mic him up and uh, let you listen to the sounds of Tim. Tim Bolo. My name's Tim Bolo. Just call me Timbo. This is my cousin Luke Monday here. And uh, we're going to pick you a little something that I wrote. An old honky-tonk tune about not wanting to go back home. And uh, this one's on the, the new EP we're going to have out soon called Brand New Feeling. I hope you enjoy it. I appreciate it. trust in you I found the bottom Oh, and I can live my life like that If I want to I can have a couple more Stay out of trouble Cause it's just me since you're gone One to come home to Then I turn the key in my door She's right there like Even when I've been dying to drink away your memory It's when you call my name again I know it's time to leave I'm gonna have to drink all night till you
Till they make them like they used to Hell, cause I can live my life like that If I want to I can have a couple more listening out there. You know, I was thinking about uh, some, I was born and raised here in uh, Music City, so was Cousin Luke and the surrounding, all the surrounding areas and uh, couldn't escape it if we tried. And uh, a big shout out to, to our parents for, for raising us right, I guess. And uh, We wanted to make sure that we played some music to help make Music City what it is today. Uh, there's a lot of music you know, on the radio today and I love all kind of music, I promise I do. Uh, but I have a special place in my heart for the, for the kind of stuff I grew up listening to, as I'm sure everybody out there listening probably does. And uh, this is one of my favorite old Paycheck tunes uh, back before he had uh, so many felonies, back before he had the beard. They call it back in the little darling days. Uh, and uh, it's one of my favorite old tunes. So let's pick this one for you. Does anybody remember what a jukebox is? Does anybody remember what a Rolodex is? Okay, I'm just, just wondering. Let's play this one right here called Please Don't Play A11, an old jukebox tune. You can take it part of the four. Yeah. One, two. I just came. From force of habit I don't intend to spend too much time in here I saw you dancing for the jukebox And if you play a Nice spot. And when she was 
was heaven It was here When she told me that she loved me And she always played a left I don't know you from that Well, but if you go Hank Cochran wrote that one, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a real good one right there. One of my favorite old paycheck tunes. There. The video of that one uh, on YouTube when he was playing with the Jones boys. If anybody remembers paycheck, you've heard him on a lot of records singing harmony with, with George. A lot of people said George Jones's style changed dramatically when Johnny joined the band. And for some reason, Johnny Paycheck is still not in the Country Music Hall of Fame. We're not quite sure why. Uh, but one of these days when I get enough money and enough clout, I'm gonna be lobbying for that down there at the Country Music Hall of Fame. I hope y'all will too, so, because he definitely deserves it. I'd like to do another one here for you. Um, you know, there's not many waltzes on the radio anymore, and I'd like to do a good waltz here for you. Uh, Mr. Merle Haggard wrote this tune. And uh, one of my favorite ones he ever did, and I'm thinking that y'all might not have heard it before. I hope. I hope that you have, and, and uh, this one right here is about turning off a memory. I hope you enjoy it. Heard this when I was going through a hard time in my life, and uh, never forget this song. DG, I'll uh, just vamp it when you come in. Chances of you ever changing are as slim as your two loving arms. So I'm turning off as quickly as time will allow. Yes, I'm. Cousin Luke, great friends.
out of hand for Cousin Luke on that banjo. Now if he's lucky He'll someday Forget her When the wine Finally takes Control Oh that's not much Of a future I can't stand To see the pain in the soul And he's turning off A memory As quickly As time will allow And he's turning off oh, A memory Thank y'all out there. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm telling you. Do we ever? Hell, do we ever? <laughs> Absolutely. Damn. You wanna walk the floor? Hell yeah. Hell, let's walk the floor. I think uh, Ernest wrote this back in 1943. This was one of his biggest hits. As a matter of fact, probably his biggest hit. And uh, love this song. I can really relate to this song. Ernest had a bunch of kids and uh, had a loving wife, and he was going through a hard time back in the day, you know, and uh, his wife ended up taking the kids and leaving them. So he sat down and wrote this song, and guess what happened when the money started coming in the mailbox? She came back. No, I'm just kidding. I think she, I think she did. <laughs> I think she really loved it. Ernest, I think she really loved him. Ernest is one of my heroes. I want to I want to make that clear. I love Ernest, and I used to work here at the Ernest Tub Record Shop for uh, for a little a little under a year, I believe, and uh, learned so much. And anybody out there that's listening to this interview or watching us here, I want to make sure that you know that this was the first place down here on Broadway had anything to do with music. It's been here. Uh, this is an institution. Been here for about 73 years now, and I'm real proud to be here. And it's like a museum and. I hope everybody that comes to Music City gets the chance to learn about some of the history that made, uh, that made Music City what it, what it is today, so. Do that beginning. Hey, one of my favorites here in the key of country C. One, two,
I'm coming down to the Ernest Tub Shop. Don't know what to do. I'm walking the floor over you. I can't sleep away. That is true. I'm hoping and I'm praying as my heart breaks right. And those were the great honky-tonk sounds of Tim Bolo. Be on the lookout for his new EP, which will be hitting streaming services as well as the Ernest Tubb Record Shop in January. And while you're buying music, why not buy some farm equipment, right? Plant 2020 is just around the corner, and now's the time to get what you need to be ready. Make sure you make your first stop, FastLine.com. Check out the equipment locator and the price comparison tool with the Iron Average, powered by Iron Solutions. Be sure to subscribe to FastLine Fast Track on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio, and follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and add our Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, present, and upcoming guests of the show. Until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com. Yeah.